Hello. In this compilation, you'll hear three more clips from episodes recorded so far. These under the theme of escaping the homeland. And this is part two. These ones are stories told by three women of different ages. A Russian refusenik who was arrested and threatened by the KGB for her and her husband's political activities. An Eritrean who escaped religious persecution and forcible and indefinite conscription into the army. And the third is a, something of an epic saga to escape Czechoslovakia after refusing to join the Communist Party. And these stories are hopefully a reminder that refugees can come in different forms and that the repressive conditions of post-war communist Europe are still repeated today in other parts of the world. And um, I hope these encourage you to listen to the full episodes, which are also really great stories from uh, the Czech Republic, Russia and Eritrea. Moscow. We lived in Moscow. And uh, we met people who were close to Sakharov, academic Sakharov and Solzhenitsyn. We have got even photo of Solzhenitsyn here with children. We, so they were very close friends of them. And they gave us different books. And we understood that life is absolutely different behind Iron Curtain, where we lived. And we really wanted to live, we wanted to breathe freely, breathe freedom. So we applied to, uh, well, we collected all documents, but, but uh, we were refused to go. So it took us 12 years to struggle. It was hard struggle. We had, we had people coming to our house, uh, refusing as well as us. Uh, and uh, they were talking on different subjects about Chernobyl, truth about Chernobyl, about many, many interesting things. And definitely government did not like uh, this, what we're doing. And eventually we went for demonstration on the Red Square. And it was terrible, terrible crime. Of course, my husband was in prison for that. And at that time I had little children. Uh, very small children. They put me in some, I don't know, cell, and I was sitting there for a few hours, and children were crying. Eventually, they let me out, but my house, uh, my husband was in prison for 15 days. For these 15 days, he lo lost 10 kilos because it was not good prison. It was criminals. Uh, was, it was summertime in Moscow, very high temperatures, and uh, no food. Just some uh, stale bread and um, yes. So after twelve years, they let us go, and it was happiest time in our life. We came to Austria on a plane, and uh, first night we did not want to go to sleep because I was afraid to wake up back in Russia. Uh, we definitely despised socialism, but first time living abroad, it was. So strange. It was high happiness. But first time I remember, now I can laugh, but that time I was crying. I went to supermarket and I did not know what to buy because everything wrapped, everything is so beautiful on the shelves. And I never seen it in Moscow. Never. We didn't have supermarkets that time. 
Yes, and uh, then I started crying. <laughs> and I said to my husband, let us take what people take. So I don't know what it is, but but we will we will survive. It's a wonderful world. <laughs> we done that. Yes, and um, we finished uh, going to Italy. That time, there were not many refugees, like us, like a few people from Ukraine. They put on us, us on train from Austria, and uh, we finished in Italy, in Rome. In Rome, they put us in a hotel for a few days, and after that, uh, they said that we can move in Italy freely as we want. It was, uh, it was another strange thing for us. We finished in a, uh, where all Russians go, because that time we didn't speak another language, just Russian. And we went to Ladispoli. It was a wonderful place on a beach, a Mediterranean beach, 45 kilometers from Rome. And it uh, was a wonderful life. We applied to go to Australia. Other people uh, applied to go to America. We went to Australia because we thought we still were very brainwashed and we thought that America is terrible, terrible, terrible place. After that, living in Italy one year, during that time we were, it was a company organized by Russian refugee. And we were traveling around Italy for a very small amount of money, and it was absolutely wonderful. So we knew what Italy is. We already started to understand what this world, but still it was it wasn't fully understood, of course. So we took plane. They put us on plane to Sydney, to Australia, eventually in one year time, which is wonderful time. So uh, had you been sort of politically uh, involved or active for, for a while? Oh, definitely. Definitely, yes. That's why we, they kicked us out. One day in January, after 12 years of struggling, telephone rang and my husband picked up the uh, telephone and it was man's voice saying, you can get out. They never would, if they call from government or KGB, they would never introduce themselves. They always were Ivan Ivanovich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of them. And that's it. And we left. Yes, we were politically involved. I had person coming to my place when my husband was in prison, in political prison. They came, talked to me. I was by myself in, in our flat in Площадь uh, Nagina with children, of course. And he came and he asked, may I come in? And I said, yes. And he said, I just want to ask you a few questions. Very friendly, he was talking to me. That's why I let him in. And he said, would you finish this? Uh, we, we want to take your children and uh, from you. Because what you're doing is not the right thing. You're against government, against our system. And I said, no, I will never finish. Because I thought, because I thought if... I will say, if I will be scared, and, I'll and I say, mm -hmm, okay, okay. And, oh, and he said, we will give you your job back because I was kicked out from my job, of course. Again, I was in Moscow University, working in Moscow University. He, they kicked me out. And um, 
I said, no, we will be continuing. And this, this guy left. And that's it. And uh, quite a few time and uh, past. And this phone call from Ivan Ivanovich that we can go. And it was absolutely wonderful. I just could not move. This was, yeah. I was happy. I could not move. I was sitting and I was sitting and I, I was just was together with my chair. I could not stand up. Yeah. It was such a shock after 12 years. Tell me, what, what brought you to Tasmania in the first place? Um, the first place, I was a refugee in Ethiopia. So I was waiting to any nation to take me. So Australia was willing to take refugees. So that's why I came to Tasmania. Uh, end of 2017, it means now nearly three years. Yep. How long were you in the refugee camp for in Ethiopia? I was in refugee more than two years and I left my country because of religious persecution and um, so I had to leave my country with the same age young people like me and I had to cross the border at night time um, and it, it was quite difficult, but when we came to Ethiopia, in Ethiopia, we were settled there and then we was refugees and yeah. And as a refugee in Ethiopia, what, do you have any rights there? Like, what, what can you do? Actually nothing, just it, it's a big camp and you just sit there and or if you, I used to work in hospital because I can read and write at that time. So they allow me to work in the hospital, but the, the money I used to make was not that enough. But you can't work like most people had to stuck in the refuge and just wait someone to support them from uh, overseas or something. Or they have this um, food, they call it, they give you 16 kilo, okay. 16 kilo of wheat and um, one kilo of uh, lentils and one liter of oil and two soap. And then one kilo maybe sugar, that's it for one month, for one person. So most people can't survive with that. So they had to wait from other friends from overseas or they had to work. But the work I told you is not enough money, but it was okay comparing with nothing. So how old were you when you left Eritrea? I was 17. Okay, so pretty, pretty young. And were you on your own or did you flee with your family? I was by my own, with just with a friend, yeah. I tried to sponsor my brother, but they rejected it, so... And I, I didn't explain why I left. I did explain a little bit why I left, because of religion persecution, and we have dictator government in our country, so... It is like some... There is military training back home and doesn't finish. It's always there. It's just everyone had to do this thing. Yeah. So people, they, they flee because they couldn't do this all their life. And even when you finish, you educate yourself and do these things, they don't pay you the enough salary. Mm. So people, they leave the country because of this all stuff, because of... Un how I can explain? What do you call if something doesn't finish? Unfinished? Um, 
Yeah, or indef- so indefinite. Indefinite military training. So, wow. yeah. and yeah, and persecution because of religion, because of other stuff. So that's why people leave the country. So when you flee from your country, you don't think like, what will happen to my family? What will happen? Mm-hmm. You just think, okay, I should, I'm young. I have ability to leave this country. I will leave. husband was really connected his family was many hundred years old farmers so he was really connected to the land and he would not leave and um, we we found uh, work again which we really loved with horses and in mountains on the other side of Republic. And we started to have really good results. We were given uh, 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 full flexibility to start breeding specific horses. And uh, after a couple of years, we were were quite successful. And um, we thought we, you know, found our uh, haven, you know, in mountains again, and um, we, some journalists came and and did interview with us, and the interview went, um, you know, into newspaper media, and a uh, few days after, we got knock on our door mm-hmm. to members of Communist Party saying, well, you're doing very well, but we realized you are not in communist, uh, uh, you know, party members. You are not in in communist party. So it does not work like that. You have to be, you know, communist party members. Right. And we just laughed because we thought, you know, we, you know, we are having good results. We are in mountains. We've got no harm to done it to anyone. And we're just focusing on horses, but it continued for several months to the point that um, they, they would be coming at night, mm. 11 o'clock at night, yeah. two people knocking on the door saying, here it is, you sign this, and, uh, and then threatening, you know, you, it's easy, you know, to remove you from the job. Your kids will not, you had two sons at the time, your boys will not get to study at all. You know, you will lose your jobs, you will, that was always, you will sweep, you know, the footpath in the city somewhere. Mm. You will not be working with horses. You just have to sign. And that was, you know, so blatant that, you know, it, it, it gets to you after few months and I was crying and I was really and then I said we just I I can't stand this we just have to go my husband was very reluctant he did not want to go but my auntie and uncle were in Tasmania oh okay and uh, so I I was hoping that you know we could connect with them and then we did through other friends so we the steps were we would not be able to to leave so um, we had to 
we had to sign. So we signed to become a members, waiting members of the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And we signed in February, I think it was February. And we said, okay, but we want to have a holiday in Croatia. Mm-hmm. And um, to have a holiday in Croatia, you had to have references or permission from your employer, from police, from your city council, and from neighbor. And we said, we, we, need, we want to go <laughs> to have a holiday. We didn't have holiday, you know, ever. We want to take our boys to see the sea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, it had to be signed by manager, by CEO of the forest company. And uh, and he was he he was not signing it signing it. We had to go and you know get the holiday and and uh, you know booked and um, so I one day I went to see to to his office and and he was at the meeting and I said it's really urgent you know it's really urgent. And uh, his secretary let me in, and he, front of other five people, is, of course, of course, I'll send it, but, you know, hopefully you are not going to escape, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and he said, of course, you know, we've got the horses, you know, family here. So, yeah, so, and then my husband had to go and sleep overnight on the street to get in the office because there was just one... Um, real estate, uh, uh, no, not real estate, travel agency office uh, close and uh, everyone who wanted to go, wanted to go overseas had mm. to queue there for a long, long time. So with the, all the paperwork and the references, he went there, he slept on a path oh, <laughs> with, right. with other people. So. So we got in, and when when we got in, they they were able to um, to uh, give us uh, or provide permission, you know, to leave the okay. republic. Um, but we had to apply for visa, which that we are going to have. We are going on holiday, so we applied or, you know, the police. And um, we didn't, we we didn't get visa. We did not get permission to take our youngest son with us. So we got permission, two of us, taking our oldest son, which he was five years old. But the youngest one had to stay home. And that was as a warranty that we would come back. That was... Mm-hmm. you know, usual way what, what, uh, how it was done before. So, so we had problem on our hands and you would not believe. And in this day and age, we had to talk about, make plans what to do. And we would not do it unless it was late at night in a 
we had we the house we were living the the horse farm we had was old German farmhouse. Mm -hmm. The walls were 80 centimeters thick. And the bathroom was in the middle of the house. And we would not talk about our plan to escape unless it was late at night in a bathroom with running water in bathtub. So we were so hypervigilant about that someone would listen to us and we knew that our neighbor who was living a few hundred meters away from us was police informer and and we were so afraid that if you know someone would say you know a word we would Mm. not be able to go so so we planned so no one knew and we decided that I will ask my best friend to um, to go to apply for holiday in Croatia as well. So, okay. so I went to see her, and I said that we want to leave. We we want to go to Tasmania, and would she be willing if I if we buy? holiday for her, would she be willing to go and apply for visa? So she would go with her daughter, oldest daughter, and our son. And her husband and her oldest son, youngest son, would stay at home, so it would not be any problem. So so she did, and she got the the visa mm-hmm. for, for our youngest son. And that was age without, there was no internet and no computer. So, <laughs> so we had, you know, the form, which was just, you know, piece of paper saying that uh, he's allowed to travel to Croatia. He was four years old. Mm. So we got that and yeah, prepared and prepared. No one had to know we were just you know, acting as normal, that we are going just for a couple of weeks to Croatia to to have a holiday. Um, none of our family knew, no one really knew. 